I've been blessed to be in the locker room with LeBron James and to be in the locker room with Michael Jordan. You know, the saying goes that, you know, people will forget what you say, people will forget what you do, but people will never forget how you feel. Um, Coach Sloan is, is one of those guys. And, you know, I, I really think that, that my calling in this world is to help other people. He, uh, you know, he, he called it the four Bs, dedication, determination, desire, and dogism. He said, you have to have a little bit of a dog in you. to the farm system podcast your home for baseball development we're here for you by you and with you i'm your co-host joey cunha and i'm bo callis this podcast is designed for coaches players scouts really anybody looking to further their development in the game of baseball here at the farm system we take pride in being lifelong learners and we're here to be a bridge from where you are to where you're going we would like to give a shout out to max muscle cottonwood for sponsoring the farm system's fourth weekly giveaway Max Muscle is a veteran-owned and operated company. They can take care of all of your nutritional and supplemental needs. Make sure to follow them on Instagram at Max Muscle Cottonwood. So Joey, a couple episodes ago, Steve Springer mentioned only th- there's only 15 DHs in the world getting paid. Obviously, you have to be able to play defense. How will the Lipke Pro help our listeners get there? Man, that's so true. It, it, he, that just hits home. There's only 15 DHs in the world getting paid. And none of them got there by just hitting. You know, David Ortiz didn't come to the league just hitting. Um, yeah, he needed to hit. Yeah, but he also needed to play a position coming up. And um, I think that's the biggest thing is that we, we we can't take that part of the game for granted. I know we're all in love with home runs right now and all these other uh, all these other things and exit velocities and all these other things we can get into. But you know, defense is just a it's foundational. We have to have we have to be able to play defense. We have to be able to be high-level defenders to get to that level, um, and and we expect we expect high results. And how to get that is from the Slipkey Pro. It's just a great tool to facilitate your growth and your development as a fielder. Um, just make sure, guys, to reach out to to reach out to Lipkey if you guys have any questions. You know, send us messages if you guys have any questions. This product has just done so much for my players, and we just we just vouch by it so much here at the farm system. Absolutely. You heard it here, fellas. Don't miss out on the chance of defensive development by using the Lipkey Pro. Don't forget to visit LipkeyPro.com. Use discount code THEFARM18, all caps, for 10% off at checkout. On this episode, we sit down with world-renowned athletic trainer, Ryan Zettler. BZ holds a dual master's degree in education and kinesiology. He also has a bachelor in biomechanical science from Texas A&M. He's a certified strength and conditioning specialist, performance enhancement specialist, and enough other qualifications that can fill the next 15 minutes of our podcast. He has over 20 years of professional athletic training, and also he has had stops at the Dallas Cowboys and Mavericks, and also the Utah Jazz. Pull up a seat, grab your notepad, here's Brian Zettler. Fellas, just want to welcome you back to the farm system. We're sitting down with Brian Zettler. Brian, we really appreciate you taking some time out of your day to uh, sit down and chat with us here at the farm system. Well, thanks for having me, uh, Bo and Joey. It's uh, uh, I'm sure we're going to have a good time here. Yeah, so uh, BZ, the reason we wanted to have you on is, you know, you just have so much experience that you can bring in and so much knowledge you can bring in. And with us being a podcast focused on a holistic development, we just feel like that you're a big part of that journey. And then you have a lot of value you can add to some of our coaches and our listeners. Well, if I can uh, give them any bit of advice, uh, if, if they think it's worth taking, then I guess that's a positive. <laughs> <laughs> so Brian, let's jump right into it. Um, I think a lot of our listeners might have a varied idea of what, what exactly athletic training is. Can you kind of describe to them what exactly you do as an, as an athletic trainer? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the, the term athletic trainer often gets confused nowadays with, with a personal trainer, and, and that's not at all what it is. Athletic training is a allied sports, uh, allied health professional, um, you know, working on the, uh, the health of, of that particular population, you know, and in this case, it, it would be the student athlete, um, you know, Things that go into that are, you know, injury prevention, um, you know, acknowledging the injury, uh, you know, making good diagnosis of the injury, a good rehabilitation plan, 
you know, knowing when you can, when you should and shouldn't uh, refer out to a physician for better eyes or if it's something, you know, that you feel you can handle in-house. Um, you know, there's also, again, like I said, the rehabilitation element uh, that all uh, athletic trainers possess, you know, as well as, uh, you know, there's um, depending on you know, how you choose to, to specialize in your studies, uh, you know, some guys specialize in a little bit more of a, a sports psychology background. Uh, you know, some may focus a little bit more on nutrition. But uh, all in all, athletic trainers in general have a very good, uh, very good knowledge of those uh, those aspects. Now, they're not going to, in most cases, you know, be as good in rehabilitation as a physical therapist who've undergone a different, similar, but uh, um, in some areas, more extensive uh, training, uh, for example, you know, burns and uh, maybe uh, the older population physical therapists are, are way more adept to handling that because of their background and their education. Same thing when it comes to nutrition, uh, athletic trainer will give you some good information, but I'm not going to say that they're anywhere near as good as a, as a licensed dietitian. So and the same thing with the psychologist, uh, you know, obviously those guys are, are often doctors, so they've really put in a lot of work. So I'm not going to pretend that athletic trainers are as good as, as uh, psychologists or, or doctors when it comes to that. But, but uh, we do have a pretty, pretty good broad-based knowledge um, on a lot of those subjects. So busy, you know, I know you, you definitely just gave a really humbling answer saying all the things that you don't know, but I was looking through your certifications, your degrees online, and I got lost in all the letters, man. Um, <laughs> could, you, could you break down what areas are, that you're actually certified in? Uh, sure. So I have uh, two master's degrees. I have a master's of science in kinesiology and a master's of education in secondary education. Uh, both of those came from the University of North Texas. Um, you know, before that, I, I received my... Uh, earned my Bachelor of Science in Biomedical Science from Texas A&M University. I also have a certification as a certified athletic trainer. That's a national certification through the National Athletic Trainers Association. Um, there's also a separate licensure uh, for the state of Utah. And I'm also, I'm still licensed in the state of Texas as an athletic trainer as well. Through the um, National Strength Conditioning Association, I have a certification in it's called the CSCS, Certified Strength and Conditioning Specialist. And through the National Academy of Sports Medicine, um, I have certifications in uh, corrective uh, exercise science and performance enhancement as a specialist. So, but you know what, all those, uh, uh, I've known a lot of people who've had a lot of uh, letters behind their name and it, it doesn't mean Jack. So, uh, um, you know, a lot of people, you know, have told me they, they feel intimidated by all that, but it's, there's nothing to be intimidated by, you know, I've just I've been blessed with some good opportunities to, and I've, you know, had a strong yearning to continue my education as much as possible. And, and um, yeah, there's, there's nothing to be intimidated by. So it's just, it's just me. I'm just a country boy from Waxahachie, Texas. So <laughs> that's awesome. Brian, one thing we like to do here at the farm system is to really find the why um, behind the people we sit down with as far as their passions. What about athletic training has driven you to get to this point today? Sure. Uh, that's a good question. You know, um, when I was in high school, it was our uh, my senior year, and we were playing uh, a team that was ranked pretty high in the state, and we had had a little bit of a disappointing season up until this point. Long story short, I uh, was having a great game, and I uh, hurt my ankle pretty much, got tackled from behind. And uh, my speed wasn't the best in the world. So I got tackled from behind and uh, had a high ankle sprain. And uh, they had thought for a while that, uh, you know, possibly I had fractured my fib, my fibula, uh, the smaller bone on the outside of your lower leg. Mm -hmm. um, X-rays were negative, And I went ahead and went through the process of rehabilitation. We were one of the Waxahachie High School um, was one of the few schools that actually had a full-time athletic trainer. So I took full advantage of it you know, through that rehabilitation process and working with uh, our, uh, our athletic trainer at that time, I really started thinking, you know what, athletic training might not be a bad deal. So I went to uh, school, Texas A&M to get my uh, undergrad. And, you know, I was really interested in medicine. And at that time, I was wanting to be a doctor, uh, wanting to be an orthopedic surgeon. Mm -hmm. And uh, I guess about halfway through, I was like, you know what, maybe, maybe I don't want to be a doctor, but I want to look and see what else is out there. I really like the rehabilitation aspect of, of sports medicine. So, so maybe I'll go that route. 
So I was fortunate enough to be able to work at a athletic, uh, excuse me, at a physical therapy clinic while I was uh, getting my undergrad. And uh, again, you know, uh, it, it was a good experience because it let me know that uh, I did not want to go into physical therapy. <laughs> um, you know, I, I really enjoyed working uh, with the young athlete and, and doing what you can to try to get them back on the field. However, you know, when it came to some other populations, I did not feel as at home or a feeling that this is where I belong. So mm-hmm. I didn't have that feeling necessarily uh, working with some, with some other populations. So um, that's where I said, you know what, maybe I should, uh, maybe I should focus on sports medicine. So uh, it's, it's kind of funny. Uh, I uh, approached uh, my, uh, my health professor at A&M at the time, and he was a certified athletic trainer for Texas A&M mm-hmm. and expressed my interest to him in, in becoming an athletic trainer. And uh, he basically told me no and said I did not have what it took to be an athletic trainer. So I said, okay, <laughs> that sounds good. I, I appreciate that. So Have you sent him a letter in the last couple of years and told him? No, but he knows. <laughs> he knows. Um, and not to, not to, I'm not bragging, but, uh, but uh, I've had, uh, I've been blessed with some incredible opportunities, but, uh, but no, it's, uh, it's safe to, to say, and you know, that I was able to, to go and get my uh, athletic training certification. I went back to school, University of North Texas, where I uh, um, received my master's degrees and completed my education there to become an athletic trainer. So I think that's a long answer <laughs> for a short <laughs> question that you have. But, uh, you know, basically, you know, you know what, why do I want that? It's because I really enjoy, there's no greater feeling in the world to me than through service and helping other people. And, uh, and, you know, I, I really think that, that my calling in this world is to help other people, um, you know, and that's to help uh, young people, you know, that may be injured, not necessarily physically, but, you know, just to try to help them out through their processes and, and get them back to where they need to be. That's awesome, man. You know, what, I know this is a very, very loaded question, but if you can simplify it into your, what's your generalized philosophy on keeping athletes health, uh, healthy? Hmm. My general philosophy on keeping athletes healthy. You know, healthy is, is a very broad term um, because it doesn't necessarily mean uh, physical health. You know, there's a huge element, especially nowadays, <clears throat> of the mental health aspect, you know, that everybody has to go through. And, uh, you know, just here recently, uh, I'd say within the last three, four, five years, I've been able to, to really try to learn some, I won't say new tricks, but some new methods and some methodology and some philosophy behind you know, just uh, mental health. Um, that's a, a huge, a huge area that's really been been tapped into over the last few years, and it's it's something that's been ignored, you know, for so long that uh, that it's good that it's finally starting to get its acknowledgement. So, so my philosophy on keeping athletes healthy is just you know doing the best you can and educating them, you know, on mental health, on physical health, and the physical health can be you know both musculoskeletal as well as nutritional um and um just trying to to help guys uh reach their optimum level at all those aspects i hope that answered your question (laughs) no 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 i i knew it was loaded from the start because you know it's it's hard (laughs) with so many different dynamics to it and um the the reason i i take interest in athletic training as well as i was a guy that was injured every other week being you know five eight and doing everything at 100 percent i i injured myself quite often and, oh, you're, you're um, one of those guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was, I kind of lived in the, I lived in the training room and I know that me and you kind of had the relationship, you know, I ask a million questions. Um, so when I was, I was always with trainers, I always had an interest in, in training and how the body worked and all the different ways to stay healthy. And so um, I, I know that was a loaded question from the very beginning. I think you handled it well. <laughs> no, it's all good, brother. It's all good. So Brian, I think that, um, a lot of an, an athlete's overall health and as well as their performance is kind of dependent on what they're putting into their bodies. What is your typical diet or nutrition regimen you like to see your athletes practice? Mm-hmm. Excellent question. Excellent question. You know, and a, a lot of that d- depends on the time of year in relation to their season. Whereas in the off season, you know, guys are, are, uh, lifting a lot heavier, you know, and trying to increase their muscle mass, you know, at that point, you'd want to probably have a, a much larger um, protein intake uh, mm-hmm. than you would at other times of the year, or as during the season, 
especially, you know, in aerobic exercises, uh, you'd really want to load up on a lot of carbohydrates, you know, almost a, a two to one carbohydrate to protein ratio. So, you know, so the, uh, the, the typical diet is, you know, it, it just varies per the year, but, but for the most part, you know, also what we need to consider is the diet in relation to the competition itself. So a lot of guys, you know, they'll have a game, you know, and they'll sit around for hours and hours and maybe they'll grab a sandwich at 10 o'clock at night. That's horrible. You know, a, a lot of the science, you know, can back it up. You know, the, the, the data shows that there's a small window of opportunity to replace your, I'm not going to get too scientific here, to replace your energy stores um, immediately after a competition. And usually that's within 30 minutes to about two hours. So that's where, you know, it's a, it's a good idea to make sure you, you load up on some carbohydrates to uh, during the season to replenish those energy stores. Uh, also during the competition, supplementing your, your energy as well with, you have uh, Gatorade products, Powerade products. Uh, those are all good, uh, helping to replace the electrolytes that you'll lose, help to replace the fluids that you'll lose. And then, you know, even before the game, you know, two hours before a game, it doesn't matter what sport you're in. If you're in women's softball, women's lacrosse, or if you're in men's wrestling, uh, two hours before the game, you want to make sure that you load up pretty good, you know, low fat, high carb, you know, moderate protein. So yeah, there you go. That's pretty much the nutritional breakdown from my from my perspective, and it's it's worked well with the athletes that I've dealt with. So, yeah, it's good stuff, Brian. I, I think I think what me and Bo plan to do is just ask you loaded question after loaded question and make <laughs> kind of generalize it as much as you can because I know these some of these are uh, tough, especially with you know your background and and you're right. You know some you got you got power athletes, you got endurance athletes, you got you know again maybe even if a coach has a tr- certain type of style, let's say if it's baseball and. Um, you know, they're, you know, running gun team and they're sprinting everywhere. They're going to need a different intake than maybe a coach that's a little bit, you know, their, their players are a little more slow paced or they take more time in between. I mean, there's so many different dynamics to that. And I think uh, we, we, me and Bo just love asking loaded questions. So <laughs> just thanks, thanks again for sticking with us for sure. Oh, uh, no problem. Hopefully, hopefully I can answer them for you. <laughs> so um, we're, we're going to go into and see if you can, you know, step on a Bo coached in college for a couple of years. And uh, you know, I've been on multiple different teams and kind of seen them break things, things down. So I know you're going to step on a couple coaches toes right here, but Coaches seem to struggle with, you know, after games, you know, or in between games, you know, just the nutrition aspect, you know, I, I, me and Bo can tell you how many times right after the games that we're eating, uh, we're eating this cardboard pizza and we're Mm -hmm. eating, you know, know, this, we're trying to somehow get some food and everything's closed. And I just wanted to know, I I know, you know, obviously at the upper levels is a little bit different, but you guys are still, you know, got to jump on a plane. You got to go here. You know, do you have any ideas or maybe staples um, of nutritional, you know, items that you think that teams should constantly have on them or they should constantly meet or prep beforehand? No, absolutely. Absolutely. Again, that's a good question. You know, I, I think uh, some things that are very easy to pack that that are easy to to consume or I mean, simple trail mix, uh, you know, that, that can, you know, has a lot of protein in it, has a lot of carbohydrates in it. So that's a good way, especially in between games to uh, to make sure you you know, replenish your, your energy stores between games, after games. And uh, again, you know, that's uh, between games is kind of tough because you don't want to overload, especially with a bunch of just crap, a bunch of sugar and a bunch of fat. You want to stay away from all that stuff. And, and uh, that's what I've really tried to, to focus on. You want to stay away from that mess as much as possible. Now, you know, healthy fats are, are one thing, but you know, if you're running to Taco Bell, obviously that's, that's not the best choice and the the best option in the world. So, you know, a lot of the healthy fats are also found in the trail mix as well. So trail mix is is definitely a good one, you know, simple bananas, high in potassium, which is great for, great for recovery. um, And for, you know, replenishing your, your potassium that you lose in competition, you know, granola bars are good also, especially if you can get some of the granola bars that are loaded with protein, those are absolutely wonderful. Uh, especially, uh, uh, you know, in the younger athlete, the high school athlete, um, you know, whose bodies are just raging with all kinds of stuff. Um, it, it's really good to try to get as much protein in those guys and, and help them, uh, you know, build their muscle stores as much as they can. No. Yeah. And I think that that's a big thing, especially, 
you know, baseball or, I mean, a lot of different sports, but definitely, definitely with baseball, you know, I know a lot of times me and Bo were playing double headers and we weren't getting done till 10 30, 11 o'clock at night. And the coach is trying to scramble and see what place is open. Cause we got, we got done a little bit later than we should have. And, you know, I know it's definitely a hard, it's a hard, hard thing to manage, but at the same time, I think there's some things that we can think about beforehand. Um, and, you know, some things like you mentioned, some, some other ways that we could alter some intake and, um, but yeah, thanks for opening that up, opening that up for us. Absolutely. You know, and, and, and kind of touching on that a little bit more is, you know, you really want to stay away from the fast foods, but sometimes that's the only option you have, you know, but if that's the only option you have, and you know, if, if you're stuck in wayward Ohio, you know, after a game, and uh, you really need to find something. The only thing that's open is Taco Bell. <laughs> well, you know what? Just be smart about your selection. You know, get you a uh, chicken and rice or a, or a rice and bean burrito, um, you know, rather than load up on just something that is completely, completely unhealthy. For sure. I, I, I think a lot of that is that the coaches are, are, one, they're so worried about their budget, and two, they're just lazy that they don't realize that they could spend that same money they're spending at Taco Bell on some other alternate sources that, that would better, better their athletes. Oh, absolutely. I mean? Absolutely. I mean, you go to Taco Bell and you're going to spend, I can't, I'm, I guess I'm a little proud to say I haven't eaten at Taco Bell in a while and I hate, I'm not picking on Taco Bell because, uh, you know, it's a good company. I'm and, in trouble. Uh, you know, they do have some, some good options, yep. but, uh, you know, we can even throw McDonald's in there. I mean, you really don't want to go grab a, you know, a triple Big Mac or a, what's the Baconator <laughs> that they have at Wendy's. Uh, you know, that may not be the best option, but you know, whereas you spend three bucks on a burger there, you know, you can go to a local grocery store and you can buy a box of uh, granola bars for the same price, you know, and it's going to be far more efficient and far more effective of, of uh, replacing your nutritional needs than other things would. What's your, um, I, I know there's been a lot of intake. There's a lot of schools that are on this now. What's your take on having, you know, after workouts, after games, the whole, uh, chocolate milk thing that's going around. What's your take on that? Oh, I'm 100% for it. Chocolate milk is is wonderful, and I, I wish I had some some studies right here offhand, but that's something. So a little bit on my background, I was uh, the head athletic trainer for the Utah Jazz for uh, um, for the last two years. I resigned at the end of last year so I could spend more time with my family. My son going into his senior year, but but uh, you know last year with the Jazz, last two years with the Jazz, we really focused on using chocolate milk, guys consumed it regularly especially after practices so um uh, so that was uh it's great it's great i'm a big fan so brian obviously i'm no expert on training and maintenance that's why you're here talking with us um <laughs> I, I i did experience great success when i continued my training routine and through the season can you kind of elaborate on the importance of in-season training and weightlifting oh absolutely uh you know there's there's so much that's, uh, you know, physically lost just because of the demand of the sport. And again, you know, that's that's talking in general. Uh, you know, that doesn't matter if, it, if it's women's wrestling. It doesn't matter if it's baseball. You know, it doesn't matter if it's women's basketball. You know, there's so much of a demand that goes on the body, at, you know, no matter what age you're in, that uh, maintaining that in-season training is uh, is vital for for a number of reasons uh one is that you know it, it's good on injury prevention it just keeps the body strong whereas you break down and, and you lose in so many different areas again i'm trying not to get too too overly scientific and too overly technical here but yeah maintaining that routine during the season maintaining that that regimen that you have is huge obviously you know during the season you're not going to be lifting as much weight as you are in the off season mm-hmm. as you are in the preseason but it's very important to maintain what you've earned in the off season. Um, you know, our body has a principle called use it or lose it. And uh, uh, if you don't maintain it, then your body will definitely use it. And that's just the fact of how it goes. So Brian, let me, let me pick your brain about this too. So I've had some success with this in the past, but again, I, you know, I don't, we're just shooting me and Bo are just shooting in the dark here. You're the expert. That's, that's what all those letters mean, right? So, <laughs> so, I don't know. So, it means I had a lot of school debt. That's what it means. <laughs> <laughs> so, so my question is this, you know, one philosophy and something that I had success with, with, I, I kind of learned this later as I was playing 
um, was again, that same principle, someone taught me that same principle of use it or lose it. And, you know, generalize, especially when it comes to maxes, somebody explained it to me like this. They said, you know, late in the season, by that time, the latest point in the season, if you're not working out, you know, the, the most crucial part of the season, your playoffs and your World Series and all that stuff always happens at the end of the season. And that seems to be when uh, athletes, if they don't maintain, are obviously going to be the weakest because that's the longest they've gone without lifting. But mm -hmm. one thing, one thing that uh, they, the impression that was with me is that once a week, just your major lifts, you know, like squats, deadlifts, or, you know, if guys want to clean or do a high pull or whatever that they, they think is mo most beneficial, but it helped me the most if it once a week when I was maintaining, not that I did a lot of work there, but I would at least hit 90% of my max in that area and just hit it, you know, do it one time. And then go back to that those lower weights, like you were saying, and, and still get my normal workout in. But I think, you know, obviously the nervous system side of that, which I mean, again, I, I'm shooting in the dark here, but just from the my perception is just the the nervous system there and just getting it, you know, routinely still firing at that that high percentage of your max. Do you agree with that strategy or do you think that that's risky or what's your take on that? Great question. Um, you know, I think that in that situation, you definitely want to stick with sub-maximal levels during the season. I think that you're risking a good chance of injury if you try, if you're benching, you know, 300 pounds in the off season. Mm -hmm. And then if you haven't lifted, you know, going into the season for a few weeks and you try to jump right back into a 300 pound lift, obviously you're asking for an injury. You're begging mm -hmm. for it. So you definitely want to stick with sub-maximal. And, uh, you know, I'm really not sure. I'll be honest with you. I'm not sure what the literature says on, um, on you know at what percentage during the season you should you should uh, work at your maximum capacity uh, for some reason i want to say 75 percent um comes off the top of my head but again i don't have anything solid to go off of that 90 percent not bad just make sure that you're not going to, to injure yourself or anything like that but uh but regardless you got to do something you know, so even, even if you're just doing 25%, well, that's better than doing nothing because, you know, as you alluded to, it does help with that neuromuscular facilitation and, and, and just trying to make sure that those neurons are firing properly. Um, you know, and again, that, that's sport specific as well. Um, and and uh, we can touch on that later if you want. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was thinking too is I, I definitely can see that being a, a lot more sports specific, obviously in a sport that like baseball, what's kind of built off of power and right now, and that's something that you'd kind of want to maintain, I would, I would think. And then also to other sports, um, you know, you, you also want to maintain their, your endurance as well. I would, I would think, especially like these sports, like you've worked in basketball or football or more, you know, soccer, or those other sports, I, I would see that you definitely want to upkeep your endurance throughout that whole time as well. I would think. Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, that just depends on the nature of the, of the sport, you know, whereas, mm -hmm. uh, um, baseball is extremely anaerobic. Um, you know, you really don't, uh, again, not trying to get scientific, but you really don't go into those pathways where you use your oxygen quite a bit. So, mm -hmm. you know, like you would for basketball, you know, for example. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, and there's a lot of anaerobic uh, aspects that go into basketball as well, but maintaining your, your strength in basketball, maintaining your strength in football, maintaining your strength in baseball, all very important, but all different on each level for each different mm -hmm. sport. And then um, I think, I think uh, I think it's a misconception. I knew earlier when I was in high school or I was in junior college, if I had to pick between, you know, maybe doing a power workout or just a normal workout um, and, and stretching or doing some mobility work, I always picked, you know, obviously, you know, being a meathead, I just wanted to constantly get underneath the bar. But um, <laughs> later on, later on again, you know, I'm not no expert, but I, I, I think that there's this misconception that mobility and flexibility don't correlate with power production. What's your take on that? The fact that mobility and flexibility don't correlate with power production is about as false as can be. I mean, let, let's let's take, for example, let's say you have a kid with, you know, good mobility in his hips, you know, and he's coming up to bat, kid's 6'2", you know, 240, and uh, he's got good mobility in his hips. He's going to hit the ball a heck of a lot better than the exact same kid without the hip mobility. Um, you know, you just you, – you really need it to – the, the extra mobility to, to generate force and to, to generate some good production um, that you wouldn't if you didn't have the good flexibility and the, uh, and the good mobility. So, and, uh, you know, along with those two things is also stability, uh, you know, making sure that, uh, you know, you have good control in, uh, in all those movements as well. Um, because if you have a lack of mobility, lack of flexibility, and those two are similar, but, and sometimes they're interchangeable, but they're really not.
you know, and, and if you have a lack of stability, then uh, again, you know, you're just begging for an injury. And, uh, and that's something that you really uh, have to watch. I remember telling, uh, I remember telling Bo about this is when I started doing yoga in junior college, I was shocked to see that a lot of my maxes for my squats and deadlifts and all those, uh, you know, went up by like 20 pounds, uh, just because I can keep myself in a stronger position and hold posture. And yes. uh, me and him, me and him used to talk about that all the time. And that's where it really clicked with me was when I was in junior college and was taking, we, I took yoga three times a week. Yes. Yes. And again, that's where yoga is wonderful. Uh, yoga, you know, helps out with the mobility, flexibility, and stability in uh, in every aspect. So I'm a big fan of yoga. Um, I just look funny when I'm wearing my tights in the living room and my wife. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> hey, I'll 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 tell you what's really good is that hot yoga. I've heard I've heard a lot of good things about it. You know, and being uh, uh, being a native of Texas, uh, I think that would be something I would love. I, I tell you, I, I think I stay cold 25 hours out of the day here in Utah. So it's uh, it's pretty think, chilly here right now. I think in uh, Texas, I don't think there's any other option but hot yoga. Isn't that like exactly. the only <laughs> It's like, it, well, you have hot yoga and you have hotter yoga. It just depends <laughs> on the time of year. So kind of touching back on injury prevention, um, some of the most common injuries in the game of baseball are their shoulders with the labrum and the rotator or elbows with the UCL. What exercises would you recommend to you know coaches and trainers listening um, for shoulder strength and injury prevention? Great question. You know, I think that um, you know exercises are important when it comes to the prevention of those injuries, but I think it's also important to have the athlete listen to his body. Um, and sometimes the best exercise um, for injury prevention on those is no exercise at all. Uh, you know, sometimes you know if you have a your body's going to give you a warning sign. You know, if you have a UCL, rarely do you have a UCL that just ruptures, you know, out of nowhere. You're going to have a little soreness there. Um, you know, listen to your body. Um, sometimes rest is your best exercise. Um, you know, but but also along with that, like uh, you guys are very familiar with the, with the Jaeger bands, maintaining, you know, some good arm strength, um, functional strength, you know, strength that you're actually going to use. You know, you can go out there and you can bench press all day long, but is that really applicable in the sport of baseball? Not really. So that's where Jaeger bands are great because you're working on your rotator cuff, um, you know, working on, you know, other arm muscles, working on your, your back muscles. Again, I'm not trying to get too scientific or too in-depth here, but but those are all wonderful. Just, you know, at a sub-max, trying to keep everything warm, keep everything loose, and keep everything awake. And, um, you know, good mechanics is, is the big thing. So... Exercises can be therapeutic or or preventative in nature. Mm -hmm. uh, exercise can also be, you know, very rest related in nature. But, uh, you know, exercises should also be very functional in nature. So, you know, a lot of times UCL tears just come from bad functionality, you know, just coming at a, bring your elbow in at a bad angle. So it's just a matter of maintaining, you know, just having the athlete just look in the mirror and making sure that, hey, am I throwing right? Am I still throwing over the top? Am I bringing in too much of a valgus force on my elbow? Um, you know, that's going to cause a, an injury to the to the UCL or, you know, whatever the situation is. Sometimes it's best just to just do some functional exercises, which may not equate to much of anything, but it programs your brain to this is how I need to throw properly. And that is great at preventing uh, preventing injuries. BZ, you're hitting you're hitting a sore spot with Bo. He tore his UCL. So the more you talk about it, I know he's having flashbacks <laughs> ooh, here. <laughs> ooh, sorry about that, buddy. And and then I tore my labrum. So you're just you're just like in our <laughs> you're in our wheelhouse right now. There you go. Uh, but I'm sure you guys understand completely what I'm saying. I mean, you know, uh, sure. I, I think uh, Bo, on you, did your UCL? Did it talk to you before you tore it? Well, looking back on it, yeah, I was just too <laughs> stubborn to. Um, <laughs> notice it for about <laughs> exactly. two years and then you know it yeah. finally kind of just popped <laughs> yeah so you know there's just a certain element of education there you know that that goes along with that of, of trying to teach an athlete hey listen to your body it's the only one you got so uh it's telling you something for a reason yep yeah i was i was telling the boys the other day i was like one reason with my shoulder is i was known for and i, I for some reason i thought it was cool back in the day that within six throws i could throw from the line to the fence and i thought that was cool and um I, I learned on later on my shoulder didn't like that too much. I didn't get warm properly. And so, oh, yeah. It, it, yeah. So when it was cold and things outside, I tried to do the same thing and I wasn't listening to my body too much and um, trying to be Mr. Cool guy. So I, gotcha. <laughs> it came back I to hear you. 
Yeah. So, um, well, how, how, I think, I think there also might be some ignorance to the fact of, you know, what's the importance of recovery after performance and how soon after performance should recovery begin? You know, there's been a lot of studies on, uh, on recovery and performance and all that. And, you know, the, the general principle of old used to be that, okay, I, I pitched, you know, eight innings and now I need to go run, you know, 20 pole to poles. And, um, you know, there've been a lot of studies overseas that show that, you know, the cool down period right there, the really only thing it benefits is, is your cardiovascular system. Um, you know, you, you go out and you think about a car, you know, that's driving uh, 80 miles an hour down the road, you know, well, when it stops, the engine's still going to be hot for a while. Um, you know, same thing if a car is going down the road 30 miles an hour, it stops, it's, it's going to be hot, maybe not as long, but it's still going to be hot for a while. So, so the recovery period right after that, um, you know, really benefits your, your cardiovascular capability versus your, your musculoskeletal injuries. So, so the big thing about recovery time is, is mainly your glycogen stores, uh, mainly your, your fuel, your energy, um, you know, how your muscles burn. So, and I think we touched on that earlier. You have like a, you know, 30 minute to, to two hour window after you, uh, after you finish competition that you really need to try to replenish those as much as possible. Otherwise it'll just, you know, for the most part be flushed out, but, but sticking with that small time period, um, that small window and trying to adequately, you know, from a smart sense, you know, just replenishing your, your fuel, uh, that's probably the best way to, to, to recover uh, rather than going out. I mean, yeah, you can go and you can ride a bike, you know, or, or something like that, but, but uh, actually getting out there and running and doing all that to cool down, um, they're showing that from a uh, physiological standpoint, other than cardiovascular, there's not really much there. What's your, what's your take on a physical activity such as, let's say, you know, when I, when I played at a Pine Bluff, um, one thing we used to do, or in Bo used to tell me some things you used to do at UVU, or, you know, we used to do them too when we played at Sterling. What, it, what is your take on after performance, you know, physical exercise as in like squats or uh, maybe deadlifts or again, going through some actual uh, firing the nervous system, maybe in some different ways. And it's not so much cardiovascular. What's, what's your take on that? How does that play into recovery? It's big. You know, there are a lot of, uh, of, of players, um, you know, in the NBA, you know, who wanted to go get a lift afterwards, you know, there's really um, no harm in it. You know, uh, again, I'm not sure on the specific studies that would back that up. I'd have to go uh, uh, look that up and do some homework on that. But but um, yeah, there's pro athletes, college athletes who after a workout will, you know, go ahead and as a cool down, uh, go ahead and, and keep, you know, they'll go lift or, or do something of that nature to help them cool down. And, and some of that is, is to flush out the, uh, especially in an anaerobic setting, a lot of times you'll, you'll build up a lot of lactic acid. Um, and that's, you know, for, for those of you who don't know, and I'm, I'm sure everybody knows, but that's when you get sore, you know, the next day it's because you have a lot of lactic acid that's built up and a lot of times they'll, they'll work, uh, um, you know, they'll do some workouts at a submaximal pace just to help flush out that lactic acid and, and to prevent, uh, that, that toxin from being in your body. So, so yeah, there, there are some definitely good ways, but you know, when you look at the whole, the whole scheme of things, again, you know, they've done studies overseas and, and studies, you know, domestically that have shown that immediately after exercise, uh, you know, doing a, a big pole to pole, 20 pole to poles or something like that doesn't really give you any kind of physiological benefit. Yeah. I appreciate uh, you opening that up. So, um, Brian, being a trainer for different professional teams and sports, um, obviously you're dealing with a plethora of athletes. What challenges and obstacles does that prevent for you as far as athlete to athlete, injury to injury? And what's kind of the biggest challenges you've seen athletes face on their road back to recovery? You know, I think some of the, some of the biggest challenges that the athletes see on the road to recovery is just, well, patience, because, you know, athletes by nature are generally very competitive and they want to get out there and, and they want to compete. You know, when it comes injury to injury, um, you know, depending on the nature of the injury and the length of time they're out and, and the road to recovery, you know, I think that the, some of the toughest things that the, and some of the biggest challenges athletes have is just the, the patience. Um, of realizing, you know, hey, it's going to take time. You know, the the big phrase nowadays is respect the process. And uh, yeah, there's a huge process when it comes to uh, injury rehabilitation, and that's why it's so important to to focus on on good, um, 
good avenues where you can prevent injury and, you know, whether those be physical or nutritional or, uh, I say physical, I mean, musculoskeletal or, or physical or even mental. So BZ also, I, I think one thing is, especially I, me being a high school coach is I have these different players <clears> that constantly come in and they saw something on the internet. They saw this crazy workout on the internet and the guy comes in, he's like, man, I want to go flip these tires. Or I want to, I don't know, throw a ball a million miles an hour. Or they have the, all these crazy workouts. They want to you know, pull a car across the street or something insane. And I'm always telling them like, man, you can't even do a goblet squat yet. And you want to go over here and pull <laughs> a car across the street or, you know, like, so I think it's, I think it's funny, but I, if, could you open up the importance of having general, general strength before specialized strength for certain sports? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, you know, when, when we talk general strength, you know, that's, um, that's strength that you, you need to cross the board. I mean, no matter what sport you're in, you're going to need to be able to to conduct a good squat. Whereas, you know, if you're a, um, a baseball player, you know, you, you don't necessarily want to be doing all the, the heavy uh, bench presses and stuff that the offensive lineman would want to do in order to, you know, protect himself from a defensive lineman coming at him. So um, the importance of, of general strength, I guess we can put it this way, you know, when everybody's in school, when everybody's in college, you know, you have your uh, core classes that you have to take. And then once you fill up, you know, once you realize what you want to be, then you start specializing, you know, in that field. If you don't have the general classes under control and under full understanding, then you're going to fail at the specific classes. And that's the same principle that, that you can, that's the same philosophy you can use here when it comes to weightlifting. You really have to have a good foundation before you can start getting into um, uh, sports specific um, exercises and lifts and stuff. Great analogy. Yeah, I love that. That was good. So like Joey mentioned earlier, unfortunately, I had the old Tommy John surgery a couple of years back. That recovery, you know, it's it's grueling, it's boring, it's, you know, same routine day in, day out. As a as an athletic trainer, how do you really work to kind of break up that monotony of the real, uh, rehabilitation process? Well, you have to make it as fun as possible. Um, you have to be real with the athlete and you have to let them know, OK, well, this is the process we're going to do. Um, this is what you're going to have to endure because you don't want to mislead or, or, you know, be misguided at, you know, at any level, at least if you have any, any, uh, good ethics about you. But, but, you know, the, the thing is, is that you have to make it fun. You know, one thing that I like to do in my rehabilitation processes is I like to, you know, have short goals, um, you know, fun goals, um, you know, and those just, you know, vary on, on, you know, whatever the case is, you know, maybe an ankle or a knee injury. Okay. Well, let's, uh, you know, if let's work on some proprio-neuromuscular facilitation. Let's work on some balance stuff. And, okay, today we're going to do it for 20 seconds. But if you can do it for 30 seconds, then I'll get you a prize. You know, and it doesn't matter how old you are. Everybody likes a little uh, a little reward here and there. So so that's uh, that's kind of how you break up the monotony. You might try to make it as fun for the person, and you try to make it as, you know, as homely for them as you can. Make it as comfortable for them as you can. But you also – try to make it as real as possible. I mean, that's great advice for an athlete. I, I kind of wonder how you do that yourself. I mean, I can only imagine seeing some of that same stuff can not influence burnout, but I'm sure it can kind of wear you down. It can. Yeah. No, there's, there's no question about it. It can, but, but you know, and that's part of the process of going through the education of being an athletic trainer is that you, you learn the, the whole scheme of the rehabilitation process. And, uh, and you know that, uh, you know, sometimes if you're going down the alphabet, you know, you got to get to A, B, and C before you get to X, Y, Z. So, you know, it's just a progression and, and you just have to have that mindset and you have to be positive and, and have a good environment conducive towards the, the uh, towards athletes, uh, growth and, and return to play. So I'm going to take a, a left-hand turn here and, and switch this up. I have a question for you. Cause I, I this is the interest me from a leadership perspective. So okay. when you're in charge of you're in charge of all these high level athletes, these guys that you know maybe all stars have had so much success in the past, and um, you know obviously you know you even being the trainer for the Cowboys, I mean you've had some superstars like absolute superstars come in, um, you know that you're responsible for, your team's responsible for. How do you handle? that pressure of, you know, constantly like, you know, if you're seeing an athlete that they really like doing a certain exercise, but you know that that's, you know, at one point it's going to get them hurt or, and, you know, and obviously that's something that you'll be held responsible for. Well, not, 
you know, you solely, but you get what I'm saying, you know, you're responsible for their health. How, how do you handle the pressure of, you know, the ownership or the, the, the coaches and everybody looking at you in these situations? And how, do, how did you continue to, to push forward with all that responsibility putting, uh, put on your shoulders? Communication, communication, communication. You know, the, the biggest thing there is to be as transparent as you can and let everybody know what's going on and, and just let her, you know, make sure everybody was on the same page, um, you know, and just to provide the, the good guidance uh, to let everybody know, hey, this is the direction we're going in and this is what we're looking at and, and this is what we can foresee. And, you know, there's going to be some things that we can't foresee and there's nothing we can do about that. But, but uh, we'll just be adept at handling those circumstances when they arise. So communication is the biggest key there by far. It's great. So, you know, you have been around, I've seen, I, I, uh, again, you had all these humble remarks at the beginning, but man, I've seen you pictures, you with pictures of LeBron and, and, and Kobe. And over the last couple of things, you, you given, you given hugs to the Mamba. I mean, we got to open that up a little bit. I mean, so you, you've been around <laughs> some of the, the best of the best in your opinion, you know, what, what separates these athletes? You got a unique perspective. You get to see them training. You get to see them early. You get to see them rehabbing. You know, what, what about these guys that, that these high level guys, what, what separates them from those other athletes that are coming in with you every single day? Great question. Uh, you know, some of it's just God-given talent. Um, you know, and there's there's nothing that nothing else that can be said about that. You know, a lot of it's just God-given God-given talent. But uh, you know, some of these guys do have a ton of God-given talent, but uh, they don't have the work ethic to uh, to follow through with that. So, work ethic is is another huge thing um, for guys that are uber um, uber successful. Michael Jordan, I tell you, he was incredible you know for anybody to say that that uh you know to even put lebron james in the same category as michael jordan is you know i'm getting on a little personal tangent uh -oh. here but, uh -oh. but that's <laughs> uh -oh. that's that's unfathomable now nothing against lebron i mean he's got some great god-given talent you know he is very uh very strenuous work ethic uh you know i've seen him do stuff that's been incredible but uh but yeah, that's uh, that's I kind of went on a tangent there, <laughs> but uh, but but no, um, you know, work ethic is uh, is huge, and you know, a lot of times where um, uh, you don't have uh, the God-given talent, work ethic will will beat it out. You know, and I, I forget about the exact saying, but I think it goes something like where talent doesn't uh, beat a hard work, hard work will beat talent. You know, or or, or something of that nature. So, um, you know, it, you know, my son right now is a senior in high school and. He went through, well, I guess is still going through the uh, recruiting process. And, uh, you know, you have a lot of these kids that are four-star or five-star. And, you know, they may have some God-given talent. But I guarantee you there's going to be a lot of kids out there that don't have the talent. But they do have the work ethic. They do have the uh, personal pride. And they haven't been baby their whole life. And those kids are going to uh, outwork and outperform um, some of these four- and five-star kids. So, so that's where, um, you know, you have to have the God-given talent, but you also have to have that hunger. You have to have that desire. You have to have that work ethic. My high school coach, um, Ricky Don Sargent, he, uh, you know, he, he called it the four Ds. Dedication, determination, desire, and dogism. He said you have to have a little bit of a dog in you. Hmm. And, uh, and there's 100% truth to that. Uh, you really have to have a great work ethic and you know, a lot of cases, a chip on your shoulder if you don't have uh, uh, that God-given talent. But if you do, the combination of those is is what you get when you find Kobe, Michael Jordan, and some of those guys. I've heard you uh, talk about Jordan a little bit and just more of just how impressed you were kind of with his his mind and uh, just some some things that you, you realize just how mentally tough he was. Do you think that that played a big part into like that separation or wh why you kind of perceive him over LeBron a little bit? Yes, Yes. And I don't, I don't know if that's, uh, again, you know, I'm not going to, you know, go further into the debate of, of Jordan versus LeBron because they both, you know, they both have their, um, their strengths, you know, they both have their weaknesses, but, mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, Michael was, uh, his mental fortitude was dominant. Uh, you know, at any point he could just flip the switch and, uh, it's something I'll never forget. And that's something I've tried to, impress on, on my son, you know, just, uh, you know, the, the greatness that, that he was. So, well, and I think, I think when you get to a certain level across the board, there's kind of baseline athleticism, there's, there's God given talent, you know, that's, that's why they get there. But I think that 
that mental edge is what takes the best over the top. Kind of building on that, you know, you're dealing with professional athletes, getting them healthy. How much of your regimen actually focuses on mental uh, versus physical aspects? You know, it's um, it, it's something that, uh, you know, before I left, it's something that I was really wanting to touch on a lot more. And I regret I didn't. But, you know, there's a lot of and, and again, when it comes to the professional athlete, you want to rely on the specialist for sports psychology uh, to handle that. And, and we did have, a, you know, a sports psychology influence, uh, you know, towards our professional athletes. That was huge. And again, that's a incredibly um, popular field right now. It's really kind of uh, exploding. You have a lot of teams. Um, you know, when I was with the Dallas Mavericks, uh, you know, we were one of the first teams, if not the first team to actually have a full time uh, team psychologist. And uh, he was wonderful. Uh, you know, in baseball, you see it quite a bit because the baseball game is so incredibly mental, as you guys know, um, that, uh, you know, the sports psychology principles there are, are huge Are you know, they're huge. So the regimen focuses are, are good and those are individualized. And a lot of times those are set up by the team psychologist, you know, depending on um, or the sports psychologist, depending on the needs of that particular player at that time. You know, whereas a kid, you know, you know, starts off the season, you know, batting a thousand, he's going to be great. But, you know, if he gets into a little bit of slump mid season, then obviously his needs are going to be a little different at that time. And uh, again, that's where I would, you know, would counsel, you know, the, the help of a sports psychologist, uh, you know, to, to lean me in the, in the right direction on how I can help the kid. Like we mentioned, you're dealing with all these, all these athletes over the years. I'm sure you've seen some pretty nasty things. What's kind of the worst injury you've experienced or you've seen as an, as an athletic trainer? Oh boy. <laughs> um i mean besides kevin Ware, <laughs> yeah that was that was that was gruesome uh you know and uh gordon hayward he had a nasty one even though i didn't see that one you know firsthand you know the one that he just suffered uh in boston first game of the year which gordon hayward's a great guy by the way and mm-hmm. um i hated seeing that for him um but you know i, I probably say that I've seen a lot. There, there's one that really stands out. Uh, I don't know why it's just popping in my head. but So I was with the uh, Dallas Desperados. I was the head athletic trainer of the arena football team. It was owned by the Dallas Cowboys. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had an athlete who uh, at the end of the year, excuse me, it was at the towards the end of the game. It was the last play of the game. And it was a, a Hail Mary down the field. DB goes up, breaks up the pass. And game's over, we win. Everybody's excited. Everybody runs in the locker room. And then, uh, but myself and uh, our equipment manager at the time, I didn't have a traveling assistant. We were on the road. You know, we uh, didn't leave yet. And we noticed that our guy wasn't getting up. So, you know, we went out there on the field to look at him. And then he's laying flat on his back. And then from his leg, from his knee down, he's laying flat on his back. From, from From his knee down, his leg is completely sideways. He had completely dislocated his knee. And, uh, you know, that's, that was one big lesson there is you wait till everybody's off the field before you, before you accept the fact that nobody's injured, but, mm-hmm. but, uh, he had completely dislocated his knee, ruptured his ACL, PCL, MCL, and torn his meniscus. Wow. So, you know, we had to make sure he had good blood supply to his leg. We got everything secure, you know, put him in a knee immobilizer, got him home. He was able to fly. We were monitoring him nonstop to make sure that everything was good there. We got him home, got him in with our orthopedic, uh, got the swelling under control after a week or so, uh, and he had the major, you know, knee reconstructive surgery. And so, you know, this was a, a pretty long process, and, you know, we, we went through the rehabilitation process, and we got him going again and got him to a point where he was running and cutting, and, and you know, the offseason came, and here we come right around to the season again, and, and he's doing everything that he's supposed to be doing, and we're getting ready to open the season. He's getting ready to start. And we traded him. And I was just, I was just heartbroken because that's uh, selfishly, you know, you, you invest that much time in an athlete and especially uh, you get uh, pretty close to him, um, you know, because you know him personally and, and you've been through him through a tough time in their life and through their struggles. And uh, you really want to see him succeed. And selfishly, you want to see him succeed firsthand. And then we traded him. And I was, I was pretty frustrated at that, but uh yeah, that was that was probably one of the worst injuries is just seeing how the guy's knee was completely uh, dislocated, um, you know, from his leg. It was pretty gnarly. Kind of building off that, the relationships you've built over the years, can you kind of think and touch on a time where you were kind of 
impressed or moved by a player or coach? You know, I, I don't. I get a flood of 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 individual thoughts. You know, of just guys doing the the character of some of these athletes. You know, that that do something just out of the blue uh, to help out somebody has just been incredible. But I tell you, probably one of the the most impressed um, that I've seen from an individual has been Jerry Sloan. Um, I tell you, that guy, he was an incredible human being. He was absolutely wonderful. Some of the stuff, you know, a lot of people, they only saw, you know, saw him step on the court and, you know, and be a, a pretty intense uh, basketball coach. And he was that, and he was a, he was a damn good one at that. He was. Um, but he was as good of a basketball coach as he was. He was 10 times that as a person, one of the best people I've ever known, one of the best people I've ever met. So, you know, the saying goes that, you know, people will forget what you say. People will forget what you do, but people will never forget how you feel. Um, Coach Sloan is is one of those guys. You know, he he always um, was great to me, great to my family. And, you know, I some of the stuff that he said was was pretty funny and I can't repeat. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, what, what stands out to me is, is the way he made me feel. And, um, yeah, and he was, um, is a, a great, great person, a great guy. Hey, so BZ, so over the years, you know, what's the funniest story that you have? Ton of funny stories. Um, I don't know if there's any, some of them obviously, you know, they're locker room sensitive and, uh, <laughs> but I'll, uh, I'll, I'll give you one good story here. <laughs> so we were in, uh, <laughs> I'm laughing about it already. <laughs> so, um, so our massage therapist with the Utah Jazz, his name is Doug Burrell. Doug Burrell, he's a great soul. So, you know, we, we stayed in, uh, in Oklahoma, uh, Oklahoma City at, at this hotel there, and it was supposedly uh, haunted. So Doug comes and he says, guys, uh, I was accosted by a ghost last night. I'm like, Doug, get out of here. You were not accosted by a ghost. He goes, yeah, I swear I was, I was laying down and, and I just I, I sensed a presence behind me and it whispered in my ear and I got chills and I just had to get up and run out. So we were like, okay, fine. Doug, we believe you. So the next year we opened up the season in Oklahoma City on October, oh, excuse me, on November the 1st. So we were there October 31st. We were there for Halloween night in supposedly the haunted hotel. And I said, this, this is an opportunity I can't pass up. So I, <laughs> so, so I got, uh, I, I got the, our general manager at the time, Kevin O'Connor, he was in on it. And I got our, uh, our uh, uh, PR uh, director, uh, Derek Garduño, he was in on it. And uh, so what we did was we got to the hotel. Um, the general manager, Kevin O'Connor, pulled uh, pulled Doug out of his room to just go on a walk or go talk or something like that. I tipped the uh, bellman 50 bucks and let us in his room. So we go in Doug Burrell's room, and uh, he's a little scared of heights. He always had the windows shut, so... So we go in his room, we open up, it's like the seventh or eighth floor. We open up all the blinds and all the curtains in his windows. And we pack up all this stuff that he had laid out, like his game clothes, and set it there. And now at this time, uh, my wife and I, we had just had uh, our youngest child, who she's now nine years old. But, you know, she had a baby monitor. So put a baby monitor, put the, uh, um, the, the speaker portion of it underneath the bed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Derek Gardunio hides up in the closet and I go next door into Kevin O'Connor's room and uh, you know it's Halloween and and you know we like to have fun at our house with Halloween so I had all the the, the playlist of all the spooky tunes and stuff like that so so Kevin O'Connor sends us a text he goes okay we're headed back okay so now we're on Doug goes into his room and uh, the PR director is sitting there watching him and hiding in the closet and uh, you could, and he, I, you know, he was the only one who saw it and he recorded some of it, but, but he walks in the room and he stops and he looks around thinking maybe he has the wrong room, but then he realizes, oh crap, this is the right room, but I left all my windows closed and what's going on with my bag. And then at that time he sent me a text and I said, okay, he said, okay, play. So I played and then you have the ghost sounds. <laughs> and that's coming out from underneath the bed. And they say that he's, you know, the, he's starting to freak out a little bit and starting to wig out a little bit. But then as he's walking, 
it catches a little bit of static electricity, <laughs> uh, you know, the, the static feedback. So, mm -hmm. so he goes, wait a minute, what's going on here? And then right at that time, the PR guy just started busting out laughing. <laughs> And then, uh, and then he opened the door, and then it, the joke was over at that time. So, so it was That's it was funny. pretty good. It was That's pretty awesome. funny. That's yeah, awesome. we 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 had some. Uh, and then I came in there, and I think he was probably trying to beat Derek to a pulp. So that was that was pretty funny. But yeah, we had some we had some good times. I've got a lot of good stories with Doug. So he's a great soul. Great soul. And those are always those are always the best stories and it's always seems the guys always tell stories when they're on the road or you know we me and uh, Andy here at Brighton were we're telling some of the guys some of the Cooperstown uh, stories that we had and some of the things we used to do some of the guys and that's the things you always remember so it's just it's just so funny those it's always the road trips man oh yeah it's always the road trips you know and and you know we were blessed to go to some fun places you know in New Orleans so we've had a lot of good times and uh, you know a lot of funny stories from that spot and and uh you know you're always on the road it seems like april the first for uh for um april fool's day and man we we really have a lot of well you know i i guess it, it's safe to say that i might have been known as the as the prankster or the trickster of the group so but uh we used to we used to have a good time and uh and yeah it's good times good times well uh well knowing your son i think uh you might have passed that trade on to him because every day he's got something going on so so absolutely i think i think you passed that one over to him well but, uh, you know grasshopper can take the pebble from my hand and we're good to go <laughs> so uh you know if our listeners wanted to reach out and get in touch with you or they had any comments or questions for you or you know i know all the 30 million teams that are going to hear this and say no dude we need to we need to get that guy on the on the squad <laughs> what would be the best way for them to to reach out to you well, I appreciate it. Yeah, they can reach me. My email is simple. It's bzettler at hotmail.com. And that's just bz as in zebra, E-T-T-L-E-R at hotmail.com. And, uh, you know, if there was, feel free to reach me out on anything. If there's anything here that I might have misspoke on, which is uh, oh, a LeBron James, you're getting you're getting a million emails about LeBron James. There's gonna be, they're going to have to call the crowd. They're coming now. Well, if there was an argument, then I would take it. But I mean, LeBron, I mean, he's I mean, let's let's be honest right now. Is, there's no one better in the game. He's the best player yeah. in the NBA right now. You know, yeah. is he a be, is he a top 100 player of all time? Absolutely. Top 50. Absolutely. You know, top 25. Well, you know, now we have to look and see what the top 25 is. Um, you know, top 10, possibly again, we'd have to look at the list, but, uh, you know, I, I'm biased. He's cutting, the, he's cutting the heart. He's cutting the heart out of some people right now. They're going to get fired up. You're getting a couple of emails for sure. We're going to get email me, this, but I'm telling yeah, this, you this giveaway this week, this giveaway this week is going to be prompted on them, making sure they send you an email. That's going to be my, <laughs> that's fine. But I'll tell you what, you know, I, I've been blessed. I've been blessed to be in the locker room with LeBron James and to be in the locker room with Michael Jordan and Michael yeah. Jordan. And I'm not tooting my horn about it. You know, it's, it's, yeah. you know, God's uh, given me an incredible opportunity to, to do what I do and to bend down the road that I've been down. But, but I'll say that, you know, having seen those two guys up close firsthand in the locker room on the court that, uh, you know, with all, I, I wish I would have seen Will Chamberlain. You know, I wish I would have seen more of, of uh, you know, of, of Bill Russell. Um, but, uh, you know, when you come to the history of the NBA, in my opinion, um, Michael Jordan is, is it incredible. <laughs> yeah, man. It's, yeah, he was, he was unfathomable. It was, it was great. Especially right here in our backyard in Utah. All yeah. Yeah. I just, I, you know, you say that and I just realized I'm kind of in uh, enemy territory here, but <laughs> But, uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, did he push off? Absolutely. He pushed off. Everybody knows he pushed off. Come on. Come on. But uh, there's no question about it. But I mean, yeah, he's he's still the greatest. Yep. Awesome. And when it comes well, to when, when it comes to people again, I'm, I'm going to say it one more time. Coach Sloan. Incredible. Absolutely. Incredible. Awesome. Well, ABZ, we you know we really appreciate it and we're truthfully grateful from the farm system that you're able to jump on with us today. And awesome too that you're on site. You're actually our first person we got to do with all three of us having mics. So you're going to come through crystal clear with your opinions about LeBron James. <laughs> and um, uh, we know we really appreciate you jumping on with us today. Oh, no problem, guys. Thanks for having me. And 
you know, if there's uh, any questions, uh, you know, feel free to to let me know. And you guys are doing a, a great thing here. And this podcast is is really starting to take off. And I'm, I'm proud to say that I was here at the start. Thanks for having me. Man, just so thankful that Zettler was able to jump on with us. This call takeaway is sponsored by Quality at Bats. Fellas, make sure to visit qualityatbats.com to further develop your mental approach to hitting. So, Joey, BZ touched on a lot of great things. What was your biggest takeaway? I think the biggest thing is he, he really jumped into is just there's so much stuff that comes into recovery and training. There's so many different aspects of it. There's the mental side. There's a there's a nervous system side. There's the sports specific side. There's also too just the feel and the and the and the, the just how how someone feels. And I think the biggest thing that he went into is just listening to your body. Just listen to your body. Listen to what it needs. Sometimes it's rest. Sometimes it's working out. Sometimes you get to try things, and if it works, it works, and it doesn't, it doesn't. Your body, I always say to our guys, your body's a lot smarter than your head. Um, so I, I just think I think that's the biggest thing is just listening to your body. That really is a good one. Uh, I think for me the biggest thing he touched on, I'm going to keep it simple, was in-season training. You know, he mentioned even professionals, they work all off-season to strengthen their bodies and, and get prepared for the upcoming season, um, and, and it only makes sense to – at least maintain, I think that's what he used, at least maintain the muscle you have gained. Um, and, you know, if, if, if they're doing it at that high of a level, I think all levels should be doing it. Absolutely. Well, guys, you know, you guys have been doing such a great job of sharing the podcast. You guys have done a, such a great job of sharing it with your friends and our followers on social media are going up. And you guys, we've been spreading so well. And I just, we, re- we appreciate you guys so much. And, you know, the show our appreciation. That's why we do all these giveaways. Guys, just keep doing what you're doing. Keep sharing us on social media. Go visit us at thesystem.farm. We have a whole bunch of resources that we have on there now for you guys that will really help develop your players. If you're a coach or develop yourself as you're a player or scout or a different organization. Um, we just, we're, we're so thankful for you guys. And um, we just, we just appreciate all the sharing that you guys have been doing. Well, until next time, farm system out.